Welcome to Rock Talks, a podcast designed to create community through conversation. Hey, welcome to our fourth episode of Rock Talks. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, welcome everybody. Yeah, we every time we meet, it's surprising that we made it this far, Ken. I think we say the same thing every episode, yeah. don't we? But I feel that way every single time. I think so. It's 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 awesome. Uh, we have a couple updates to share with the church. Um, we just had our neighborhood block party, and I don't know about you guys, but I just thought it was just an amazing event. Just had an awesome time, um, not just during the party, but getting ready and seeing everyone work together. Like it was, it was really really amazing. You know, those kind of events are so unifying for for a church or or any organization, right? I mean, it just really seems to bond everybody together. Yeah, and you know what's crazy is actually because of, you know, the coronavirus going around right now and and it coming up in Oregon, you know, we really thought long and hard about canceling the event and whether people would show up because, you know, of what's happening. And so that morning, um, the outreach team got together and prayed and talked about it and the board talked about it. But in the end, we decided that it was it was the best thing to move forward. And, you know, obviously we're hoping nobody gets sick afterwards. Yeah. But... Uh, other than that, we're like we're so thankful that we went through with it. How many uh, how many neighbors came by? Yeah, we um, at looking at the count with children, we probably had over fifty people come through for that party. Wow, that's amazing. I know that is remarkable. And that was kind of our goal, and that's what we were hoping for. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was really nervous because everyone, when we talked about doing this event, talked about the infamous Thanksgiving dinner. Um, that was a total failure of a community event where um, if you were here, you know about it, where the church tried to host a Thanksgiving dinner for the neighborhood and only two people showed up and it was the entire church and two people. And it was just, that's been like on people's minds. Like it's yeah. been like a monkey on the back. Hmm. Yeah, I think I heard uh, heard about that. Uh, I was Unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend a block party. I, I had to work, but um yeah, I heard just everybody had such a wonderful time. and You totally missed out, Ken. I know. I saw the Instagram posts of the people that won the laptops. I was like, it's just amazing stories. Yeah, and actually what's what's so cool is each of the winners, as we've been highlighting them, they're connected to our church in some way. Um, and we talked about it, like the first guy, he's been watching over our church during our building project, you know, making sure everything's okay. And, and Sarah, um, who was the second winner, if you were here, you remember her reaction. She had this like amazingly joyful reaction and it was completely (laughs) authentic. And just in case you were wondering, it was a legit draw. Okay. We didn't, uh, we didn't rig it. We didn't rig it. So, um, but the story for her was, um, she was a Shepherd's Door resident, and that's where a few of us met her. And she's been kind of building her life again after she's left that facility. Um, but her her laptop of 15 years just crapped out on her, <laughs> oh, and word. so it's it was it was done. And she was like, "Oh God, like what's gonna happen now? Like I guess I have to start saving." And she just felt you know compelled to come to this event, and she won. That's amazing. That is amazing. Shepherd's Door, again, that's the woman's shelter, right, that the church volunteers at? Yes, we go there uh, once a month and provide meals, and we, we talk to the residents there and to the kids. Oh, that's awesome. I think, well, that's, uh, I think uh, maybe uh, this becomes an annual event or something, maybe? I don't know. Who we'll knows, see. Right? We'll see. Um, so another thing that we wanted to share with the church uh, before we get into today's interview and, and with our guests um, is 
you know, if everyone's concerned about the coronavirus and all the different organizations and businesses and companies, they kind of have to release statements and talking about the plans and stuff. So um, the board, we, we talked about it as well, and we kind of have a plan that we want to uh, inform everybody. So uh, I'm going to ask Ken to just talk about that a little bit, and then we'll get into today's uh, conversation. Yeah, I think the coronavirus and the COVID-19 is something that's been on everybody's minds. And in the medical community, we're, um, we're, it's kind of we're dealing with it uh, day by day, and it just seems like uh, as time passes, recommendations do change a little bit uh, as we go along. And so I think uh, our stance is the same stance that the CDC and the Oregon Health Authority takes. Uh, you know, use, using universal precautions, making sure everybody is washing their hands very well. Um, and at church here, we have been sanitizing high traffic, high volume areas that are frequently touched, door handles, doorknobs, you know, tabletops. And so we've, uh, you know, kind of initiated that plan. And just kind of the normal common sense things, if, if you or, you know, your child is sick, you know, please uh, stay at home. Uh, and take care of yourself it's actually it's just kind of like the same thing that uh, you do if there was no coronavirus or COVID-19 like if you had the flu and you're feverish you would stay at home and the same thing holds true and there was a lot of discussion about you know um, stopping services and things but you know I think um, at this point in time uh, we felt like you know when do you when do you resume services? I think this is something that's here to stay, and uh, I, I think this is a, is going to be a long drawn out process. And so, we're praying and we're just having faith uh, that God will lead us. And of course, you know, if things change, uh, we'll always um, you know uh, reconsider and always keeping our um, ourselves in tune with what's recommended by the Oregon Health Authority and CDC. So, yeah. So in case you're wondering, um, at this time, for the time being, we are not canceling services, potlucks, or any events. We're going to continue with ministry as usual, and we'll give updates as things change in the landscape. Now, on to today's discussion and this con- today's conversation. Our guest today, we're so happy to have, for the very first time in history, a couple two people on this podcast at one time. So this is going to be really cool. I have no idea how this is going to go, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be amazing. Today, our guests are David and Sarah Peck. Thank you so much for being here, David and Sarah. You're welcome. Yeah, Yeah, we're super excited. And the sponsor of today's episode is our small groups ministry, and we'll be hearing a word from our sponsor shortly later in the podcast. Now, the other very special thing today is we have a very special host with us who is actually was the interviewee on episode two. It's Naryong. So Naryong, he is here today as our primary host. And finally, I don't have to listen to Ken talk the entire time. So, so excited to have Naryong with us today. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you. I'm very honored and excited, and I'm really excited to get to know David and Sarah more. <laughs> so shall we just begin? Uh, can you... Tell us how you guys met. Yeah. Let me we know. met on a medical trip to Papua, Indonesia. Um, we were married 10 years ago by Ken in May. Can you believe it's been 10 years? It's pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's how we met. And nine months later, we were married. Yeah. We, we uh, both were part of a, uh, a free clinic 
um, and that free clinic uh, had mission trips every year to mm-hmm. Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Sarah happened to be a volunteer there, and, and the physician that was going to go there uh, dropped out last minute, and so I went, and then that's how we met. Was that here in Portland? Uh, it was based out of Vancouver. Uh-huh. It's a clinic that we both still volunteer at. Uh-huh. And uh, I just finished nursing school, and David just had finished residency, so we were both on kind of a gap summer. And we sat on a, like, 14-hour flight to Tokyo, right? Or to Hong Kong. To Hong Kong. And... Uh, Yeah, I don't know if it was Hong Kong, but... Yeah, it was a long flight. It was basically a two-day trip, and we just happened to be sitting next to each other the whole time. And you never met before. We never met. And then, so we got to know each other really quickly, (laughs) just sitting next to each other for two days, essentially. Mm -hmm. Nothing else to do except talk. And And when I came home, I told everybody, I met the man I'm going to marry, but he doesn't know it yet. (laughs) Wow. Wow. As a a pastor who who has led mission teams and trained missionaries to go to the mission field, the number one rule is don't fall in love. (laughs) (laughs) You guys completely broke that rule, but you're here and... It's cool. It all works out. Wow. It's fine. But <laughs> so give us a little snippet of what that 14-hour conversation must have been like. Just can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and how you became the person you became? Well, I think we both talked about, at least on the trip, we, we were both, I think, ready to get married. Mm-hmm. So we had read all the same marriage books. Oh. And I think David was actually reading a marriage book or a dating book on that flight. And so that's how that started. Um, David, yeah, that's, that's a smooth move. <laughs> <laughs> he like carries it around, <laughs> so like everywhere he goes. That's an amazing move, right? You meet a girl and you have a book about marriage. Yeah. <laughs> it sends a really clear message and like an awesome, like that'll create an awesome opinion of you. Like you're reading about marriage. Yeah, right. wow. Smooth move, man. I'm impressed. But, but how about your childhoods? I mean, I'm sure you come from very different backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up in California, um, Southern California, and uh, my parents are Korean. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, came from a fairly white neighborhood. Um, but uh, But other than that, I mean, I feel like it was a, typical Korean American childhood, I would say. Um, yeah. Uh, Sarah, I know comes from a very different background. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I grew up on Camino Island, which is about five hours North on the five and, um, mostly raised by just my mom mm-hmm. and, uh, it's very small town, very small town thinking. Um, no diversity at all of thought or of race or anything, just very one-dimensional um, uh, kind of mindset growing up. Mm-hmm. So when I came to Portland, I was like, I went to college at Port- in Portland, mm-hmm. at University of Portland, and it was kind of the big city blew me away, so. Sarah says that I was the first Asian person that she met. I never considered <laughs> myself Asian, but I'm half Asian, so. <laughs> So I, I'm looking at this question here that says, you know, talks about milestones or crossroads. So do you feel like your life growing up in Camino Island was just pretty uneventful? And then when you arrived here in Portland, it kind of just shook you up? Uh, well, I 
I did not plan to go to University of Portland. I actually planned to go wherever my sister went. So I had no idea what I wanted to be. I had no idea where I wanted to go to college. And um, she chose University of Portland, so I followed her there. She chose nursing, so I chose nursing. (laughs) And then um, last minute, she had to go to uh, state school. So... I kind of got stuck here and I had such bad homesickness. I it was I tried to quit school so many times that first year. Mm-hmm. I cried myself to sleep every night. Oh. I was miserable. Oh no. I had like the worst freshman experience possible. Oh. So that re- that was a really huge growing part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um where I was finally by myself without mm-hmm. my my sister and my family and I was truly, I truly felt all alone. Um, and all of the things that I'd grown up with, all my, my values, all my um, kind of preconceived notions of what life was and who I was, mm-hmm. was all kind of came crashing down mm-hmm. um, those first few years of college mm-hmm. and then slowly rebuilding that. Yeah. That's a big turning point. Yeah. yeah. Huge turning point in my life. I see. And then, well, David's not here. <laughs> So David's not here because (laughs) our kids are also here (laughs) and they're screaming out in the hallway. So (laughs) if you hear background noises, it's them crying and us ignoring them. (laughs) Do you think they would be happier just in here with us? No, we wouldn't be able to get anything done. So keep going. Okay. Um, Okay. So how about um, what kind of a role did Christianity play in your upbringing or did it? Well, I I grew up in a Christian home. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up going to church and youth group, and I had a weekly Bible study. Mm -hmm. My entire uh, middle school, high school um, kind of life, school life. Uh, So it it played a really big part, but I don't think that it – I don't think I knew what – the gospel was, and mm-hmm. I don't think I knew what grace was, mm-hmm. and I don't think I knew what um, the fullness of who Christ is mm-hmm. until well after I left home. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not until actually I married David mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. I really truly understand mm-hmm. and kind of become a follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. Would you say that that period of loneliness that you were talking about was Christ a part of that? That you know, I think that I I didn't have a, a true mature sense of what a relationship with Christ can, how it affects your life mm-hmm. and how it can comfort you and mm-hmm. how it can strengthen you and it embolden you. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt really lonely. Mm-hmm. And I think that I had grown up in a fairly sheltered community. Mm-hmm. So I had never had to experience any sort of antagonism towards Christianity, even just in the culture. Mm -hmm. So I think that it it was just a time where I I was a duck out of water Mm -hmm. and had only been in calm waters. And now I'm in, you know, pretty choppy waters. And I I have no idea how to swim. Mm -hmm. Actually, Mm -hmm. I was just floating before. Mm -hmm. So I think it was just a maturity, um, just a growing part. I think David had of similar um, experience as far as growth in college. Right. So we were talking about, yeah. you know, what kind of a role church and Christianity um, played in yeah. her upbringing and then how yeah. it's kind of evolved over the years. Yeah. 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 It's, um, 
just like Sarah, I feel like my understanding of Christianity has changed and evolved throughout the years. I feel like it's still evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, did you grow I, up going to church? I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not an Adventist church. Mm-hmm. My parents went to uh, just kind of different denominations, mm-hmm. but always Korean. And um, yeah, I knew that it was important because my mom took it very seriously mm-hmm. and I and I and I realized that you know she really believed it so in a certain way I think that uh, I knew that it was important even mm-hmm. though I didn't fully understand uh, the nuances of the religion um, uh, I do remember you know when I was in seventh grade my cousin uh, explained to me um, what the significance of Jesus was, and I never, I've been going to church my entire life mm-hmm. up to that point, and I didn't, never really understand why Jesus was so important, and he explained it to me, and it's like, oh, that totally made mm. sense why. How old but was your cousin? He was same age, mm. yeah. Um, uh, so that, you know, kind of shifted my understanding of Christianity, my, um, not that I understood grace necessarily at that time, um, and then college, I, I think I had somewhat of a similar experience as Sarah and that I was fairly lonely mm-hmm. and felt isolated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started questioning what I believed in. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, and then as I got older, you know, kind of changed a bit as mm-hmm. far as uh, um, what grace meant mm-hmm. uh, through stuff that I've read mm-hmm. and experienced. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of, I feel like, my understanding of Christianity, it's like I'm always moving, but then something bumps me and I, and I move a different direction. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully I'm moving in a direction that's more closer or closer to uh, what God is really like and mm-hmm. what Christianity is uh, mm-hmm. really like. So at first I was just kind of right. going all over the place and right. something bumps me and moves me in a direction that's like a little bit more accurate. Uh-huh. <laughs> so throughout yeah. your journeys, are there um, certain individuals um, that you could recall or just pinpoint as to who might have been those kind of bumps along the way? Yeah. or yeah. Well, hands down for me, as far as growth instigator, mm-hmm. it's David. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> when I met David, I was 22 years old. And I had, I, m- I remember David, <gasps> yeah, it's just completely different. His He was 30, um, way more mature Mm -hmm. he's way more thoughtful than me way more introspective had a much more mature understanding of um just all religion in general um and that was the biggest the biggest growth Mm -hmm. was um to my spiritual life, for that, sure. That's great. Yeah, he's, yeah, a, he's wow. there all the time. Sometimes painful, <laughs> not always very painful growth, <laughs> but growth. Did that happen through him challenging you, asking questions, or leading you to new experiences? Like, in what way was he able to kind of spur on growth for you? Definitely challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he very he very much challenges the way you think. He was very. Um, I mean, he did it out of love but it felt very (laughs) difficult. Mm -hmm. I mean, even just the idea of us getting married so quickly and then me moving back to Portland to be a part of his life, you know, with his friends, his church, his culture, his Mm -hmm. community, 
I mean, even coming into an Adventist Korean church mm-hmm. where I'd never grown up in Adventism, I'd never grown up around Koreans, mm-hmm. um, was huge. And then um, to have this person who I had always thought, I'm, I'm this great person, mm-hmm. I know everything. And David's like, you're not as good as you think you are. <laughs> you know, like, you're really deserving of death. Like, it's another smooth move. You're evil. <laughs> another smooth move, David. Uh-huh. But that was after the marriage. You guys were married Otherwise, already. I would have never yeah. gotten that far. Uh, so many questions uh, coming up here. Um, so I, I want to get to you and, and your spiritual guides, too. But... Um, so you were already attending The Rock? Yeah, yeah. So I moved here um, in 2006, mm-hmm. and I just started attending here. Um, you just it wasn't found, called The Rock at the uh-huh. time, um, or I don't think it was. You just uh, found it on your own as a single yeah, guy. Yeah, I mean, it was the only Adventist church in the area. So. Oh, but by then you were already looking for an Adventist church. Yeah, I was an Adventist. Um, <clears throat> he went to Loma Linda yeah. for medical school. I see, yeah. I see. Uh-huh. Uh, when I turned 18, my parents started going to an Adventist church, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, and that's how I got introduced to this denomination. And then it took me a while to kind of actually, um, you know, believe in the the doctrines. Uh, and then I ended up going to Loma Linda, and then by that point, I was kind of all in mm-hmm. into the into the religion. And then I moved here. So I was only looking at Adventist churches when I moved here. Oh, I see. But yeah, I happened to not uh, marry an Adventist. So <laughs> uh-huh. that, that was one of the uh-huh. challenges of our marriage. And, and actually, you know, Sarah talks about me challenging her, but she's challenged me too mm-hmm. in a very positive way mm-hmm. as far as um, helping me understand uh, the certain biases that I had towards um, what I believed in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it also has morphed morphed uh, my my um my beliefs um so yeah. that sounds like a great yeah. relationship yeah. david yeah. has to mm-hmm. practice grace every day with me so <laughs> well <laughs> i think all all married couples <laughs> have to right um so when you came and joined uh the church that is now called rock uh-huh. um that was what 10 years ago uh-huh. yeah. Okay. yeah and so over the years you've seen it grow and kind oh, yeah. of morph oh, and yeah. um so what is something that you really love about this church that keeps you coming back? Well, I think we both agree that um, we love the people here. Uh Um, And this church really, uh, it does feel like a family. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've heard Ed say this before, but it's like, you know, know, most of the people, at least at the time he said this, um, have family from, uh, you know, that, far away but this church is kind of like a family mm-hmm. um outside of your own personal family and it does feel that way mm-hmm. um so i think that that is a definite strength uh to this to this church and, and, it, and it's hard to and actually you know i i say that you know question my you know beliefs in certain things and when i married sarah and we actually considered leaving the church uh, a few times um because you know, our understanding of Christianity was, mm-hmm. was changing a bit, mm-hmm. but we found that it was very, very, very difficult for us to actually, um, leave. And partly because we f- feel that everybody in this church is like our family mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you can't just leave family. Mm-hmm. Um, so we always come back, uh, and, um, recommit ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we've been more involved and then less involved mm-hmm. and then more involved and then less involved. Um, throughout our 10 years here. Mm-hmm. 
and we uh, we've tried other churches. We've mm-hmm. gone consistently to other churches, um, but we always feel convicted to come back mm-hmm. or to 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 not leave. I guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that sermon. I mean, the the talk that David is referring to with Ed, and I've told Ed this many times, but he basically had this sermon where he was like, "You don't leave your family. You committed. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, it doesn't matter if you don't like them. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't agree with some of the things that they say, like mm-hmm. that's." That's just what families mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Um, and we we have had that mindset where we're shopping around mm-hmm. um, for churches, and we've realized as we've gotten older that that's not the approach mm-hmm. that we believe is appropriate for mm-hmm. for finding a church. That right. that um, God brings people into your lives for a reason. He brought us into the people of Rock's life for mm-hmm. a reason. We've mm-hmm. established relationships. We love these people. They love us. We're invested in them. They're mm-hmm. invested in us. And that's something that we we really value and we really love about this community. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we, there's no reason for us to go anywhere else, even if we do, do disagree with some of the right. things. You know? Right, right. Yeah. And to add to that, uh, uh, there's another thing that Chris said that I thought was really, you know, eye-opening for me is when he said um, that church is not you know, just an hour or two on Saturday. That's not church. Church is basically the relationship that you have mm-hmm. with the people. He said mm-hmm. that in one of his sermons. And that was like, for me, really, you know, mm-hmm. eye-opening. And I like really also transformed mm-hmm. kind of my understanding of how we attend church. Because like Sarah was saying, we were kind of shopping around a little bit. And mm-hmm. we had this very consumeristic mindset mm-hmm. of of, mm-hmm. of church. You know, does it fit, you know, certain is you there know, desires. Care? Yeah. Yeah. Is the praise good enough? Yeah. Is the sermon good enough? Is the, you know, yeah. is the coffee free? Like, <laughs> how good is the coffee? It was like we were, you know, shopping around like you would for entertainment. Yeah, like how does this church fit with our lifestyle? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. and, and, and. Is it so, less of a commitment on, <clears throat> you know, is it just one hour? Is it, you know? Yeah, and then we realized this is a totally perverted way of, finding a church we mm-hmm. thought you know mm-hmm. this and of is, belonging to <clears throat> the community of god and approaching his bride which right. is how he describes the church right right you know? that's the best compliment that you could pay to any kind of faith community to call it a family mm-hmm. because you know as you said even if we don't agree with everything that our relatives may believe or yeah. choose to do right. we still love them yeah. and um, do you feel like rock is an environment where you feel safe to be yourselves and you know openly disagree and still be yeah accepted I mean, we've been disagreeing family. for 10 years then <laughs> nobody's kicked us out yet <laughs> that's awesome i love that <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, in our small groups, we mm-hmm. definitely, we've definitely grown. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that uh, we, we really, we, we really love, um, we love this church. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we love a lot of things about it. And even though there are things that um, we see as room for improvement, mm-hmm. um, we we feel like we belong here but mm-hmm. i will say for anybody who's listening to this that's new i mean for me it took 5 years mm-hmm. probably before it felt like a family mm-hmm. and even being married to david it's felt this you mm-hmm. know almost 10 years to feel like david's parents are my parents mm-hmm. it, i mm-hmm. mean family takes a long time yes. even yes. you know just because you get married 
doesn't mean you immediately feel close to the people that are in your new family. Right. Right. And so I think that's how church has felt with us, especially with me being outside of the Adventist and Mm -hmm. Korean denominations. Mm -hmm. That's so good. That's so good. That, that understanding and awareness and that shift from kind of a consumer approach that, that makes all the difference, like not just for the church, but for people as they experience church and community. Yeah. That's so awesome. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah. And I have a similar experience to you, Sarah. Um, even though I am Korean, I didn't grow up Adventist. I didn't even grow up Christian. And so that um, realization that it takes time and also the realization that it's a it's a reciprocity system where mm-hmm. it's not like, when am I going to feel accepted? It's like, when am I going to be accepting? Mm-hmm. And then it has to be a give and take kind yeah. of a process for that bond to develop. Um, so talking about some of the things that we could do better, like, what do you think are some of the ways that our church could actually be more relevant um, to people, not only at our church, but also outside the church? So well, that it's not so much a consumer, like, show yeah. up for a couple of hours, have some fun, and... Well, there's a couple of things I was thinking with, with that question. Um, one thing is that in our small group, um, in our Vancouver small group, uh, this is how to be more relevant specifically to that question. But uh, it's we've been <clears throat> trying this new way of uh, doing Bible study. Or I don't know if it's new, but new, new for us where we, we, we find a topic in, um, in a current event. So mm-hmm. some, something that happened mm-hmm. in the news. And then we discuss it, but we discuss it with the um, with the spectacles of a Christian uh, mindset. So mm-hmm. how do we mm-hmm. how do we uh, view this, and how do we interpret this as a Christian? Mm-hmm. So that in way in a way, you know, kind of um, decompartmentalizes our uh, Christian mm-hmm. um, view of things and kind of broaden it to uh, to everyday things everyday things, things that happen in the news, uh-huh. you know? So, uh, uh, so I think that I think is, is a good way to making it more relevant uh-huh. Christianity at least. Um, so, so that's interesting. So yeah. you take a current event and mm-hmm. you're, you're analyzing why this may have happened and what we as Christian can do and how about? we respond well, and relate mm-hmm. to yeah. these events. Yeah, kind right. of like how what what is our opinion? How is our view? What uh-huh. what, what should our opinion be as a Christian? Right. Based it's not on what like happened. this is yeah. end times and now it's no no no, no no. I mean, it could lead to something like that, but <laughs> but like for example, last night we had Bible study last night and and the topic wasn't necessarily on this, but it, it kind of you know steered its way towards immigration. Mm-hmm. Um, how as Christians should we deal with the immigration debate that's going on mm-hmm. in the country. You mm-hmm. know, what is the Christian viewpoint on this? Um, and it was a very lively debate, but um, and, and everybody, not everybody agreed. Exactly. Not everybody agreed. Exactly. But how many are in your in your group? <clears throat> um, about five. Okay. around there. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it was really fruitful because you know we're talking about it from the context of a Christian, and mm-hmm. how does it? How do we? How do we understand this? from, you know, the perspective of the gospel, you know, or right. perspective of a Christian uh-huh. and how uh-huh. do we, you know, because we all have opinions and, and biases, but, right. you know, what is the Christian response? And that's mm-hmm. kind of like, so anyways, yeah, that's kind of uh, how we've been approaching it. That's really it. great. Yeah. So, really so I think that that in a way is um, making, you know, obviously Christianity more relevant in mm-hmm. our lives. But mm-hmm. uh and just that process of self-examination, I think. Yeah. You know, why do I think, even if I believe this is the Christian approach to it, if somebody else is disagreeing with you and it's like, no, my Christian approach is this, yeah. then you start examining, well, well, 
what baggage do I have that yeah, <laughs> is yeah. making me look through this particular filter? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How about you? What do you think um, are some things that we could do better? Well, I think that, um, I mean, not necessarily rock specifically, but mm-hmm. the church in general. Sure. Um, I think that we try to attract people for the same reasons we're attracted to a church. Mm-hmm. So the praise, the the kids' programs, mm-hmm. the the even the sermons, the um, and I, I don't think those are bad things to focus on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the coffee mm-hmm. too. I look for a church and think, you know, how good is the, the goodies, coffee? Right. Ours are good. Uh-huh. Ours good now, but <laughs> but. Um, I think that as a as a church in general, that we have come into this um, consumeristic mindset, mm-hmm. and we've tried to use the culture currently mm-hmm. as an attractive thing, mm-hmm. and then we try to use that to get people through the door and be entertained and be um, engaged. But then we try to sneak the gospel in, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. think that um, for me, when I when I fully I, I don't fully understand the gospel yet, but when I've begun as I've begun to understand the gospel mm-hmm. and who Jesus Christ was mm-hmm. and who I am in relation to that and how much how faithful God is and how he desires to redeem us and to save us um, that was the most attractive most kind of odd eye-opening experience of my life. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like going to a church that has good childcare is great for an hour, mm-hmm. but it has not enhanced my life at all. It mm-hmm. hasn't changed the way I think. It hasn't changed the way I act or the way I spend my money or where I put my energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I hear the gospel, I'm like amazed. I'm like floored. I'm flooded with this sense of just, just gratefulness and hope and and I think that as I've gotten older and as my life has gotten harder and people that I love have gone through difficulties, I truly desire that. Mm-hmm. And I think that we as a church, we, we kind of miss that because we kind of feel like we've done that. We've, we've told people that Jesus Christ, that they're a sinner, mm-hmm. that, we've, that Jesus has mm-hmm. died for their sins, and that they're in need of a savior, pray this prayer, mm-hmm. and you're saved. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a disservice to, in, in general, it's a disservice to Christians mm-hmm. because... They're not in, they're not really seeing the fullness and the beauty and mm-hmm. the just amazing gift of the gospel and of Jesus Christ. And I think that that is enough. And I feel like as a church, we have this desire to bring more. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we bring more without bringing more of the gospel, then we're really not, we're just teaching people religion. We're not really showing them who sure. Jesus is. So what are some experiences where you feel like you encountered the gospel through your, you know, your presence here at Rock? Was it like in-depth, like small group discussions? Was it like a meaningful conversation with pastor? Was it just... I think part of it for me at least is the acceptance that everybody has towards mm-hmm. one another and, and even towards people that are, um, you know, unfortunately I would say that we have been, it's less so now, that we have been somewhat of a homogenous group. You know, mm-hmm. we're all mostly Korean, but mm-hmm. it's becoming less so. But even when non-Koreans come or people who come from a different socioeconomic place, uh, the Rock as a community accept them with open arms despite someone's baggage or the way they talk or they say things Mm -hmm. or where they come from. Um, I think that's a manifestation of grace, Mm -hmm. you know, a manifestation of accepting and loving despite 
the kind of person that they are. I mean, I think that again, that's that's the that's the that's the gospel right there, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I heard the gospel last week when Pastor Chris um, had his sermon, um, which totally spoke to me because I the sermon was on um, a scarcity mind. Mm-hmm. mindset versus an abundant mindset mm-hmm. and I realized that I definitely operate under a scarcity mindset mm-hmm. that really rung true to me and um, thinking about that all week long and seeing how you know my family also operates under a scarcity mindset mm-hmm. and why we do that and why I live under this handicap when I've been given an abundant life mm-hmm. with all of the things that I need to live a godly life mm-hmm. Um, has convicted me this week and I've just been kind of ruminating on that and talking to David on Mm -hmm. that and seeing in my life how I'm spending my money and how Mm -hmm. I'm spending my time and my stress and anxiety where that comes from Um, and then realizing that hearing the gospel in that that Jesus Christ has already Mm -hmm. he's already it's done he's already saved me he's already laid down my life Mm -hmm. his life for me and I don't have to work and I don't have to worry and I don't have to run a race to try to get somewhere faster mm-hmm. because it's already been, it's already finished mm. and I, I've already won it. And so just remembering that and hearing that over and over again, it, that's the gospel working in my life, yes. how mm-hmm. it continues to work in my life mm-hmm. and how I continue to hear it in um, the sermons here and, and hear it in the way we treat one another here and the way that we argue with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a slow, it's definitely a slow process, but it's an, it's, it's something that I'm just kind of sitting in, mm-hmm. I feel like. And I, we, David and I, we, we try to find it everywhere. You know, we, we feel like we're kind of hyper aware of where the gospel is. Like, where is that? You know, like when Pastor Chris says a sermon, we afterwards we're like, you know, the Bible, reading the Bible is fantastic. It's great. We need to do it. But why do we read the Bible? Right. You know, wh- why do we have the desire to uh-huh. read the Bible? Where does that desire come from? We're always, I think that that's just a part of our spiritual journey that's and awesome. focus right now. And that's so we, awesome. Because yeah. that was my last question. Then where do you guys feel like, you know, God's taking you now? And it's, you talk about this hypersensitivity. It sounds like an awesome place to be, you know, like our... Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, it's, I think God, I'm not sure actually, but I, I feel like God has taken, taken us, I don't know if this is the right word to say it, but like in a way, um, I did feel like for a while that, and I still feel like there are certain obligations that I need to, to fulfill Mm -hmm. as being a Christian, um, that, uh, like as a Christian, you're not, you're supposed to do these sorts of things. You know, you're supposed to, you're supposed to, you know, attend church. You're supposed to, um, be caring to your, you know, to your community and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, I've been understanding and realizing that these things can happen even from a heart that's not correct or pure right. you know they can be done mm-hmm. in a way that's superficially superficial <laughs> they can be done selfishly you know and I've become a little bit hyper aware of my motivations mm-hmm. for things um and in a way you know this partly I would say that one of the reasons or one of the main reasons why we've we've kind of I would say not been as involved and 
you know, I'm sorry to say that we've missed a lot of church services for the last, you know, a few years. Um, but partly because, you know, I felt that and we felt that um, uh, motivation should be, you know, mm-hmm. primary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost no difference from my mindset uh, if we attended or not attended mm-hmm. or did this or not did this if the, the heart's not not right there. Um, I still kind of feel that way. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sort of realizing that, you know, uh, from an intellectual standpoint that there are dis- these are disciplines, though, that we still sure. need to do them, even sure. though we might not have the heart for it. Um, so I, that's kind of where I feel like I'm at. Um, I'm still at, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm growing more towards understanding disciplines a little mm-hmm. bit more, mm-hmm. understanding that putting, um, um, you know, putting your place or putting yourself in a position to, to receive the right motivations, I guess, uh, is, 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 is important. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of where, where, where I guess where I'm at at the moment. Yeah. So again, still morphing, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> always, yeah. always. And then you're moving through different stages of life with your children and yeah. now another yeah, one. Yeah. Way. yeah. Definitely having kids mm-hmm. definitely changes your view on grace and mercy and forgiveness you definitely Amen. see your own shortcomings, mm-hmm. um, and you're trying to be, and we're we're trying to be intentional in the way that we show the gospel to our children, that they see grace in our parenting and in the way we interact with one another mm-hmm. and the way we interact with people that we don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's eye opening because we definitely fall short, and um, it's really hard to teach people to teach our children what grace is towards one another when we ha- don't have grace towards each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that has been a, a struggle and also a learning, um, growing period in our lives of trying to impart that um, on our kids and then remembering that we first have to <laughs> be filled <laughs> with grace right. in order right. to you know, teach your children. It's hard to teach your children patience if uh-huh. you're not patient with uh-huh. them. Mm even though it's a yeah. it's something that we desire to uh-huh. teach them and that's that's what grace and mercy and right. justice and forgiveness right. is it's hard to show those things right um, and then after all of that the realization of sometimes the failures that we have to receive the grace after that to mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah remembering redemption and yeah right. yeah <laughs> definitely yeah oh. i mean I, I i i know i and part of the reason why i feel like the motivation is so so important and the grace is so important is because like especially because I know one of the questions is about social justice and, and like, I mean, we can do these things, but you know, I don't know how many times that I've experienced trying to help someone who who I think I'm helping, but then I have like a, a kind of a, you know, mindset of, I don't really like this person. Mm -hmm. I don't really like the way they are responding to my, you know, generosity or, you know, um, and, uh, and I, and, and it's a realization that because this, this, uh, the way you're helping this person or this group or whatever is coming from, um, a, uh, disordered understanding of how God accepts me, you know? So, um, Cause we're not seeing each other. You're not seeing each other as equal. So right. for instance, when when you have somebody who's broken, whose life is in disarray, mm-hmm. who's ungrateful, who's unwilling to change, 
um, you're frustrated. You get bitter. Yeah, and, you get and bitter. Then you get you jaded. You know, I don't know how many times I've, I've heard people say that, that they try to help people and then um, they kind of burned a bridge, the, the, the person that they're trying to help. And then the person's kind of jaded over mm-hmm. it, you know, like, mm-hmm. why help these people? They mm-hmm. don't want to help themselves. Right. You know, why should I help them? You know, there's a lot of people that think that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I feel like, you know, that's partly because, you know, I think the theology is wrong. You know, mm-hmm. the theology in that regard is wrong because in a way, how we relate to God um, kind of reflects how you relate to other mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So. So if you have a very transactional relationship mm-hmm. with God, it, or uh, contractual maybe, where I do this, um, and therefore God needs to do this for me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I'm going to do this, do these good things, therefore I should be accepted by God, mm-hmm. um, or go to heaven, right. or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Exactly. You know, that's a very transactional relationship. Mm-hmm. But I think that's bad theology. I think, really, <clears throat> um, the relationship that God intends to have with us is that there's nothing that I can do <coughs> that yes, you're worthy of death. You yeah, <laughs> there's nothing I can do that warrants um, his, ex- you know, his acceptance mm-hmm. of me. I'm, everything that I do is 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 tainted with selfishness and mm-hmm. and sin. and sin, mm-hmm. and and even I, I may not even realize the depth of uh, of of my good actions. Mm-hmm. How 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 like marred it is with you know bad intentions ultimately mm-hmm. but god still accepts me because he loves me mm-hmm. you know he you know it's nothing that i do to warrant his acceptance and if i really understood that then that's how that should be the approach that i you know interact with other right. people you know right. i accept this person regardless of Just, how they respond exactly regardless of how they live their lives mm-hmm. regardless of how they treat me mm-hmm. and therefore you don't get jaded you don't get burnt right. out you know the outcome doesn't matter the, the outcome mm-hmm. doesn't ultimately mm-hmm. matter you still have this abundance amount of love yes. because you know that that's where um, God is giving his the abundance of his love towards right. you so right. you're kind of always full mm-hmm. you're not it's not a transactional relationship mm-hmm. anymore with with the people you're trying to help so I think the, the correct theology is super super important um, and if you don't have that right right uh, everything else kind of falters right. a bit you right. know um, but it really begins with an understanding of our own belovedness, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And if yeah. we can't believe that we are beloved as we are, it's yeah. hard to believe that those people are also right. uh, lovable as they are. Right, yes. right, yeah. right. So, yeah. Well, thank you for <laughs> sharing your lives with us. We have a short um, word from our sponsors today, which happens to be Rock Small Groups. Hi, this is Chris. I am the director of small groups at this church. Um, If you're not familiar with Rock Fellowship, one of the key parts of our mission statement is to connect people to a loving community. And for us, small groups is the best way to do that. We have small groups for ages from uh, middle school all the way up. We have small groups all over Portland and Vancouver. And uh, we wanna encourage you to to join a group um, if you're interested. In a lot of ways, I think that's the best next step for people, whether you're questioning, whether you're wondering, whether you're doubting, or just want something better for your life or to to get out of loneliness or meet people, small groups is the best way uh, to be a part of this community and this family. And so uh, if you're interested in joining a small group, you can go to our website, uh, go to rockfellowshipsda.com slash groups, and you can find out all the information about small groups there. Or you can talk to me at church. Uh, my name is Chris. We'd love to see you in group, and we hope to see you soon. 
Okay, so we're going to end our chat today with uh, rapid-fire questions, which is what we do here on Rock Talks. And since there's two of you, um, I'll just ask the question and each of you can answer. Um, uh, and of course, um, we're looking for short answers, but feel free to expound if you would like to. So your favorite type of music? Um, well, I, I, like, uh, I like all kinds of music, but I like... Um, Sufjan Stevens, he's probably my favorite artist. I'm not going to lie, yeah. mine's Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> okay, favorite comfort food? Cookies. Uh, fried chicken. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Would you, do you prefer really cold weather or really hot weather? Cold. I don't know. I don't really like either of Extreme. those. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I guess, I guess really cold. Yeah. Okay. Uh, best book of the past year? Uh, this year, in 2020, it is um, You Are What You Love by James Smith, I think, or John Smith. It's um, it's blowing my mind. It's about habit formation, mm -hmm. and it's about um, uh, how we relate to um, uh, disciplines, mm -hmm. and it's about finding the things that you really love mm -hmm. and understanding where your deepest desires are mm -hmm. and how your daily liturgical practices reflect those desires mm -hmm. in your heart. It's mm -hmm. amazing. It's I, I'm that sounds really yeah, great. I'm like blown away by it. Okay, mm -hmm. David. Um, it's a book that I read, uh, uh, not quite a year ago, but it was um, Amusing Ourselves to Death by, mm. I think it's Neil Postman. It's a book that was written maybe 30, 40 years ago, but it it's about more of the TV culture, but it's I would say it's more applicable now because of the internet um, and how we're just inundated with all this information and how we have a hard time mm -hmm. uh, really seeing the, you know, what's really important in life. Yeah. Uh, so, mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, should we just go on with David? Um, would you rather spend the day running a marathon or being on jury duty? Uh, jury duty. <laughs> uh, a night owl or morning person? Uh, I'd say morning person. Okay. Um, any programs you like to binge watch? Um, I, uh, I really got into uh, this Silicon Valley show. <laughs> it's on HBO. Uh, is it uh, documentary or fiction? No, it's it's fiction. Oh. It's the stupid comedy, but oh. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, it's so called Silicon Valley? It's still called Silicon Valley. It's pretty R-rated, but it's it's hilarious. <laughs> okay, let's check that out. Um, great appetizer or great dessert? Appetizer. Okay. Oh, and we have a little child. The question we're on is spanking or time out or neither? Oh, gosh. Me, it's spanking. <laughs> David, it's time out, but we've agreed we're not going to spank. So we just threaten spanking, which is bad. Bad parenting. Don't, don't do what we're doing. <laughs> well, they know what spanking is. We've spanked before, and I just feel guilty yeah. every time we do it. So it's so now we just threaten it, which seems to work. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not really going to carry it out. So. You know, my problem is my spanking doesn't work because Miles is so tough that I... <laughs> I'm not strong enough to inflict pain on him. I yeah. guess my solution is working out more. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
we're going to go back with some questions to Sarah. Would you rather spend the day running a marathon or being on jury duty? Jury duty. Okay. I, I was on jury duty, and I thought it was fascinating. All right. I really liked it. Okay. Are you a night owl or <laughs> night? Bird? And do you like to binge watch anything? Um, I do binge watch Korean drama, <gasps> and it's very bad for me. I need to stop. I, I feel like I've seen every single Korean drama that I want to <laughs> see on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon. Oh, my. And, yes. Do you have an all-time favorite? Oh. Aren't they all the same? They're all the same. They're all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I just watched one called Crash Landing on You. It's about North Korea. That's have you a big seen? one. No, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I was like, it was killing me that like it was a coming out currently one, but it's finished now. So now you can you watch can, the whole thing binge. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And um, but yes, they're addicting. Okay. Do you ever watch with her? I did at first when she started getting into it, um, and I was kind of into it too. But she's. Yeah, and when she watches it, she just watches it continuously. So it's like she's like out of commission for like two days. You need to come up for air. Yeah, like I can't, I can't do that. Okay, great appetizer or a great dessert for you? Dessert. Mm-hmm. I'll take dessert any day. Okay, and the last thing that we've started asking our guests is. Um, when people see you, the next time people that have listened to this podcast, what are some questions that they could approach you with to start a conversation and find out more about you? Well, I thought about that because we got these questions ahead of time. And the only thing that could come to mind was if somebody would come up to me and say, can I get you another cup of coffee? (laughs) Do you want a cookie? Can I take your kids for an afternoon? I'm like, yeah, please ask me that. So that's really where my heart lies. <laughs> you are what you love, I yes. guess. <laughs> um, I was just thinking that, uh, I mean, it's not, I guess, really about me, but um, uh, someone came and asked me what my favorite movie was mm-hmm. or <laughs> what the best movie I've seen recently is. I, I'm a, a big movie fan. So, oh, yeah. which is? Most recently? I think most recently, I, as Parasite, I yes. just saw that. Um, <laughs> yes, and that's we'll save that for another show. Yeah, People have yeah. plenty to talk about yeah, Parasite. Yeah, yeah. So maybe okay. you, if you see David, ask him, "Hey, what do you think about Parasite?" Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could have hours and hours of conversation. <laughs> that's, right. Yes. that's right. Well, thank you so much to both of you, and thank you, Ellis. Thank you. Thank you. Really a joy to get to know you guys more, yeah, um, and I hope you guys join us for the next episode of Rock Talk. Take care, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.